Hi there, House Culture listener. If you enjoy this episode or have enjoyed listening to other episodes in our series, please support and donate to us through the Acast Supporter feature. All donations will help us create the content that you love listening to. You can decide how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So it could be a one-off and every now and then or once every time you listen. It's really up to you. Click on the supporter link in the episode description and with Google or Apple Pay, it will take you less than 30 seconds to make your contribution. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Dawn Hindle, Creative Director at Pipes Hotel in Ibiza, and you're listening to the House Culture Podcast. House Culture. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the House Culture Podcast hosted by me, the Managing Editor at House Culture, Matt Rouse. It's great to be back with Season 2 and we at House Culture are ecstatic to be able to bring a little bit of the club directly into your home. I want to say thanks to everyone who gave our second season launch episode a listen. It was a big one as we sat down with ex-House Martin, former Dubcat and current fat boy Norman Cook. We talked about all things ranging from his love of art, why Ibiza and Glastonbury are so special to him, and the differences between his stage show and club gigs. Add it to your playlist if you haven't checked it out already. Also, if this is your first time you've tuned into the podcast, first of all, welcome. And second of all, please make sure you have a dig through our back catalogue of episodes, which feature interviews with the likes of Brandon Block, Andy Manston, Terry Farley, Nick Muir, and many more. And if you've only just stumbled across house culture and want to get to know us a little better, as I always say, we are a collective of house music fans who have come together through our mutual love of the beat to celebrate the spirit of house music. Instagram is where the party happens and you can find us there at houseculture.net. Follow that and you'll get a daily dose of all things related to this scene we know and love. So let's get on with this episode, shall we? In this one, I'm delighted to say that we chat with Dawn Hindle, who has been an integral part of the Ibiza scene for the past 25 years, one of the originators of the outrageous Manumission brand, co-founder of Ibiza Rocks, and now creative director at the legendary Pikes Hotel. We talk about what drove Manumission to Ibiza from its birthplace in Manchester. It became a little bit violent, really. It went from being this sort of fun-loving 
party into something that you never quite knew what was going to happen. What promoting on the island was like in those early years? Well, we were just having the time of our lives. It was quite bizarre. We actually didn't even see it as a job until about five or six years later. Because to us, we were just having a great time. How Manumission became one of the biggest parties in the world? We had a whole team of New York strippers. You know, it was just crazy. Everything just escalated because the more we enjoyed creating things, the more we added on. And why Pike's Hotel is such an important part of Ibiza. I think Pike's really represents old school Ibiza to me. It's very authentic. It's an old Ibiza thinker. And to me, the last thing I'd ever want to see is a complete globalisation of Ibiza. So get yourself checked in, grab a stool at that poolside bar and prepare yourself for some authentic Balearic vibes. This is Dawn Hindle. House Culture. Hi Dawn, thank you for sitting down with us at the House Culture Podcast. We're honoured to have you on board and take part. Obviously you're the creative director at Pike's Hotel. You're also behind some of the biggest clubbing brands on the island of Ibiza. I'm thinking of Manumission, Ibiza Rocks. But we always like to start at the very beginning to try and understand where it all started. So if we could go back in time and talk about you studying architecture in Manchester. I did. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, Yeah, we've been in Ibiza for 25 years now. Wow. And prior to that, I grew up in the north of England. I went to university in Manchester, which was an incredible sort of student music scene. And I think that's the thing that first got me into music and gripped me and and nightlife, you know, because there was a lot of great stuff going on there. And when we were first in Manchester, um, it was sort of at the end of the whole Hacienda culture, the sort of, you know, Manchester was full of all these sort of self-proclaimed sort of slogans like on the eighth day god created manchester and yeah it sort of turned into what i'd sort of what a lot of people sort of referred to gunchester where it all started to go a little bit wrong yeah because i think with any what becomes a sort of industry comes money becomes people making money in dubious ways with you know drug stores and things like that so it became a little bit violent really yeah and it became went from being this sort of fun loving party into something that you know uh, you never quite knew what was going to happen yeah and there was a lot of gangs involved I think on doors and you know it just basically I think a lot of the great scene shifted to the gay scene Mm -hmm. and that's where a lot of um I know a lot of my friends felt quite safe there and and there was great music coming out of it and it was lovely little venues and so we did manumission um in a little place called Equinox, which was just off Canal Street. And it was a tiny little venue within the gay village. And it was a sort of mixed policy, but it had very blatant sort of gay advertising to sort of pop people off. Yep. So, you know, it's sort of uh, one of the flyers sort of said, you know, um, that someone had gone out to manumission, discovered men gave better blowjobs and left their wife and three kids and had moved <laughs> in with Bob. So it was very, you know, it was, it was, it was sort of... Provocative. Provocative, yeah. yeah. And it's sort of like, I think it sort of set the pace for something a little bit different that someone hadn't, you know, people hadn't really done that at the time to that extent. Um, and so... 
and so we started to do manumission there. And what year was that? Was that, that was, no. oh my goodness, that was 93. Wow. So that was 1993. Yeah. We were all, I was a student in Manchester. Um, my uh, my partner, um, Andy, had just finished. His mm-hmm. brother had just finished modelling in New York and had nothing to do. So it was just it was just the right the right moment, the right time, and um, it's it was a phenomenal success. Basically, yeah. I think it was just the energy and, and doing something different. And um, we had some great characters, the Divine David, who was a drag queen that used to take people out of the club and take them via the gasworks to his little apartment and show them his teaspoon collection. It was very, you know, it was very surreal. And I think it's, you know, a lot of creative key people embraced it, people that were journalists that have probably gone on to be editors of magazines, people that were DJs, you know. It was, I think Manchester at the time was quite a creative scene. And that whole, probably the dance music industry had sort of spurned a lot of, you know, it's sort of like people had come out of that. And so the club went from being, um, well, non-existent to being voted number one uh, club night in the UK by DJ Mag by about week 10. (laughs) So, So it just suddenly, we had queues down the end of the road, people wanting to get in. Yeah. Um, and then we had people that we did really didn't want to let into the club trying to get in on the very last night that we did manumission um, somebody tried to come in the, the bouncers threw him out um, he then came back with lots of cans of petrol tried to break into the venue they locked the doors and he put petrol under the door oh my God. and tried to set fire to and my partner at the time um so it was quite luckily there was a lot of undercover police yeah. in the venue i think there was in most of the venues right. and they stopped any incidents but it was just something that as you know as a student as someone you know we were just trying to create great parties yeah. and suddenly the reality of a, a sort of much darker side of nightlife came in and we just thought this isn't what we're here to do and we don't want to get involved in this and you know so basically um Andy and Mike went on holiday to Ibiza I was I was doing my exams I posted over all the press that we'd had um from the UK and it just meant they could get into the clubs for free I don't think they actually realized if you if you know the right people, you could get in for free anyway. You know, it was just a, a new, new into Ibiza scene. And, um, and then we realised that we actually had a whole summer off of doing nothing, you know, because we're students and decided why not spend the summer in Ibiza. Yeah. We'd had two people who were called David and Bernadette who were body painters and they'd got married the summer before and they'd gone on honeymoon to Ibiza. And they said, you know, you should really try it because... It's just an amazing place. The clubs are incredible. So basically, based on that, rep- just on that recommendation, we all went to Ibiza. <laughs> <laughs> and then we did the old classic Ibiza thing of never leaving Ibiza, yeah. you know, 25 years later. Um, so that when you went over there that time, was that the first time you'd been to Ibiza? I think it was probably the first time I'd even heard of Ibiza, oh, really? if I'm honest. It wasn't, yeah. you know, I wasn't, it wasn't that I was a lover of Spain or, yeah. or you know, I just um, really thought it was a great alternative to a summer in Manchester, yeah. basically. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so we, yeah, so we went over there, we got offered quite a few club nights 
for some bizarre reason, one in Pasha, mm. um, a couple of other places. Then we got offered a Monday night in um, what was Coup at the time, yeah. which is now Privilege, which yeah. was a giant aircraft hangar of a building. And everyone that we knew said, don't do a Monday night, it'll never work. Don't do Coup because that's disastrous and hasn't got anything good. So we went against the grain and because we just liked the venue it was it was almost like working it was like walking into a disneyland for adults you know i had the giant swimming pool it's bigger than any club we'd ever seen we actually did go on to get voted the biggest weekly club night in the world in the guinness book of records wow. <laughs> and so because so of that's what yeah because of, of its it, size yeah. you know and it, it uh, we were getting ten thousand people a week coming through the door so it it went from 1994, which was the first summer, again, just coming up with some great marketing ideas, I think, such things as, you know, people were paid a day rate, which was probably the equivalent of like five pounds a day at the time, to walk around and hand out flyers for the clubs. And we just thought that was crazy. You know, what we should be doing is paying people for everybody they got into the club. So we sort of got people to write a little mark on it. And before you knew it, we had thousands and thousands no of people way. in the club. Yeah. Um, and so it, it just started from there. And we started in a very tiny little part of the club, which was the Coca Loca bar, which was the sort of, it was sort of the gay heart where all the drag queens used to hang out. And um, we started there and within a couple of months, We'd taken over the whole club. Wow, and that was just in that first season? That was season. within a few weeks. Wow. Yeah, so yeah. it was quite a bizarre, heady success in a way yeah. Yeah. that we didn't expect. And having that success from Manchester, it was that success that was opening the doors when you got to Ibiza yeah. getting all yeah. of those clubs. it was. I think, yeah. it, you know, at the time, obviously the world has changed and, you know, we're now very much in a digital world, but, you know, that was when printed magazines and things really mattered. So something like a mixed mag or a DJ, you know, people bought them religiously, they read them, and they probably chose their nights out dependent on what was, you know, top of the list. So I think, uh, yeah, it definitely, definitely helped. And in terms of every year um, and every season, there was kind of taking it to the next level. Did you always feel like a pressure in terms of like, what you're trying to put on or was it just a natural progression no we felt absolutely no pressure whatsoever we were just having the time of our lives we literally <laughs> we it was quite bizarre we actually didn't even see it as a job until about five or six years later because to us we were just having a great time yeah. you know all we ever did was wanting to put on parties that we wanted to go to so when the party didn't exist we'd make it and we just thought that was quite normal so you know and then it just you know as we started to make a little bit of money we could do things that we'd never thought we could do you know we did all sorts of crazy things you know we got um we decided we wanted a team of cuban acrobats so we got on a plane to cuba and we went around all the cuban circus schools and we recruited 12 cuban acrobats and we had to talk to the cuban government and pay them money to bring them to spain <laughs> and then we went to new york and we decided that we love the band Fisher Spooner, you know, they did some great music at that time, which I think was way beyond its time. And, you know, we met Casey and Ian, and we said, do you want to come and spend a summer in Ibiza? And they went, yeah, of course. So we set a whole load of shows around them, and we we decided we wanted to do giant stage sets, you know, which is something that I always personally loved studying architecture, and 
we went to find we met we got introduced to mark fisher who was the guy that had done the pink floyd tour with the giant pink pigs yeah and he'd done u2's um zoology or zootopia i think it was tour and so we went to him and he started to do the stage sets for us before you knew it we were a massive theater production and every penny we were making was going into the parties (laughs) yeah i mean there was nothing like it um no one else was really doing what you were doing it's all of that the attention to detail and the amount of different things going on like you say acrobats and you know cutting edge music and what what was the overriding ethos of of manumission would you say if you had well to it sum was that up? i mean manumission comes from the latin word manumit and it means to set a slave free and so and everybody always thinks it's because we came from manchester but it isn't but it would basically um the whole thing was that you could just be free to be whoever you wanted to be and at the time you know in in Ibiza, it didn't matter. I mean, it's changed quite a lot in the last couple of years. Now it's all about the VIP table. But at the time, you know, you would have, um, you'd have a prince from Italy next to a Brit layer from Blackpool, next to um, John Paul Gautier, next yeah. to It Really, did not matter. It was all about. It was all about the atmosphere and just about letting all your inhibitions go and just having a great time. So that was like the real basic principle behind it but we just sort of got carried away and did all the things that we'd always wanted to do so we saw it my favorite quote I think was in the Guardian and it was surreal clubbing for the previously disenchanted and that sort of sums it up to me it was just showing people a good time and it just came really naturally I think to all of us and we just enjoyed it putting on those parties like you say that you'd have wanted to go to yourself Uh. Absolutely. And in terms of like the music, what what kind of came first, would you say? Was it just like a fun time music policy and that was that? Or was it all about the production or just a mixture? It was a mixture. I mean, the sound, the music to us was a soundtrack to everything that was going on in many ways. Um, there were different areas. I mean, we had, we couldn't afford, we spent so much money on everything else. We had like a team of 50 entertainers. <laughs> That we we created costumes for, you know, we just did crazy things. And so um, we had a whole team of New York strippers that we brought. You know, it was just crazy. Everything just escalated because the more we enjoyed creating things, the more we added on and the bigger the bill became. So we sort of thought, well, the music's really majorly important, but people are coming anyway. And we didn't, you know, at the time, it was all about the big DJ, you know, so... A lot of the people who were friends of ours, you know, people like Carl Cox, Pete Tong, Norman Cook, Judge Jules at the time. It was even the era of like Brandon Block and Alex P were mm-hmm. massive in Ibiza. So, you know, we basically said, if you want to play, you can come play for us, but we can't pay you what everyone else is paying for you. But in return, we're not going to advertise you. So basically people came to Ibiza. Ro- um, sorry, not Ibiza Rocks, Manumission <laughs> slipped into my, my new domain, into Manumission by basically the love of the party, understanding that it would be great music and that it would be a surprise. So we got all the world's top DJs playing for us. We got, I mean, one of my favourite things was, you know, we used to get regularly, we used to get Norman Cook playing in the toilets and he'd hand out the toilet paper, you know, as people, and you know, it's so funny because I see now, you know, like places like High in Ibiza, Mm. they've created this whole disco toilet with the thing and I think it's probably a lot of people's favorite place and you look back and you know that came from 
yeah. Norman Cook in those toilets. <laughs> you know, he used to have some little Argentinian guy that had like a, a, a I think he was Jägermeister slammer machine down there where you put like a, what the equivalent of a euro was in at the time at one end and he'd invented it, set on fire and then you slammed it at the other end. And it was like a, a sort of fairground attraction ride. You know, it was it was very... Yeah, it was very, very um, fun. And did it get to a point where it just became too big, too massive a beast to wrestle with? or It became, yeah, I think, it, you know, we went through so many um, chapters in Money Mission, I think. And, you know, there was the whole notorious thing of obviously Mike's brother and his his wife Claire having live sets on stage that 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 we then started to think, oh my goodness, this is killing the club because we've got all these like 18, probably year old boys, you know, lining up to see a sex show. This isn't what we're doing. This isn't what we're doing. So one week we just got really fed up with it and we moved it to the back room. We just put their mattress on the back room and we literally put the DJ, we built a DJ box right in the middle of the swimming pool. And that was the end of that. And it, you know, and I think things like that just really kept the club going because otherwise it was sort of I think it's one of those things once you get something that becomes very successful you become acutely aware that it could become a victim of its own success so you have to keep reinventing and I think that's one of the things that we've always managed to do is see trends and see when things are starting to to maybe be a victim of their own success and and change it sort of change it up before it dies a death yeah try and be ahead of that curve in that way and And that probably comes from having a very low attention span i think (laughs) (laughs) and getting bored really easily yeah so i mean uh what point what year was it the manumission had kind of wrapped up in ibiza was it we did we ran for 15 years yeah wow so it was 50 i mean that is actually crazy if you think for a 10,000 capacity club to yeah. go 15 years actually shouldn't be allowed because if you look at something that is youth culture it's way too long you know you have to sort of step back and somebody else needs to take up the reins and um i think we just also we got a little bit bored and we wanted to end it on on a high and we had issues with the club not paying us properly and and we realised actually, we wanted to promote live music. Yeah. So so we went from being club promoters. I mean, we've never stopped really being club promoters, but we went to um, establishing Ibiza Rocks, which was all about um, guitar music. Yeah. When we started, that's why the you know the logo is a plectrum because yeah. it sort of very much was quite a defiant stamp against the fact that. Ibiza really didn't rock yeah. you know Ibiza danced yeah. and we were trying to rock and it was so wrong and you know I can remember at the time a lot of the DJs actually thought we turned against them yeah. they were like you're trying to kill the thing that you've created and you know why are you going and it wasn't that you know I think Ibiza Rocks was all about getting excited about a new form of music that was like really great live music coming through you know you had things like lcd sound system the rapture coming out of new york which was a really great sound that combined sort of like electro music but with instruments and james murphy who's an incredibly talented amazing guy and you had um we had people like arctic monkeys you know that were that were fresh they looked like 
12 year old kids when they first played for us we had Kasabian we had you know people like Mark Ronson were just starting out we had his a whole band we gave Mika his first ever gig um, straight out of you know he trained to be a classical opera singer you know so a lot of these people we brought to Ibiza for the first time we gave them their first gigs and you know they're, they're still very close connected to us now and I think it opened the way for a lot of people that thought Ibiza had no relevance to them because they weren't necessarily into a big club and at the time I can remember thinking well you know what this big club thing has just sort of turned into a massive business and it's the clubbing business and that's not why we were in it and you know we were very much wanted to wanted to push forward in different directions that we just thought were doing new things keep it fresh yeah. yeah and so obviously you're bringing on all of these kind of young artists and building them up and whatever like you've just mentioned so many names there are there ever a moment where you bump into these people now and it's kind of you're a bit starstruck in terms of the level of their credibility now or is it yeah do you I don't know I, don't know. I just I, don't, I think I'm in a little bit of a bubble. I never really think that deeply about anything. I think we just sort of acts. we do. And, you know, I think we've never really even probably sat back and thought about much that we've ever done. I think we just keep striving forward to do something that, you know, we really, really feel passionately about. And, you know, there's a lot of people that we've had that have gone on to become, you know, giants people in their own realm I mean you know we used to do tiny little parties with Idris Elba who's probably now one of the biggest actors in the world you know we've done um you know Mark Ronson you know we were we were with him having dinner you know around the time that Amy Winehouse had just died and you know he'd obviously done her albums and you know there's there's a lot of people that um have gone on to do incredible things that, um, you know, Jarvis Cocker played for us last year. He's hopefully going to do a residency for us next year. Ed Sheeran, you know, has done numerous gigs for us and was really, you know, he was a tiny little kid with a guitar. And now, you know, he's working with every major, major artist in the world. People like Stormzy. I mean, Stormzy has outgrown us. You know, he still came back this year, but I mean, he is too big a public figure for us to even stage these days, you know. And it's incredibly inspiring to see how well all these people are doing, you know, because you really, really recognise a great artist when you hear it, you know. I remember my, my son, who's now 18, was actually on tour with the specials. He's the drum tech. But he um, he came to some of the gigs and he, he was just so excited about this little band. And we were like, boy, who are these people? you know and he was like it's rag and bone man mum he's like incredible he's got the best voice and um i can remember just being absolutely blown away you know just thinking how is that guy creating that sound yeah you know so i think those moments you know we had we had people like um madness play yeah and i can remember just being up on that vip balcony with all my friends when they were singing you know my house in the middle of my street <laughs> and it was that sort of like almost that sort of anthem I'm, oh gosh, I can't even say it. Anthematic. I'm, yes, moments where you're sort of, um, you go, oh my God, actually, you know, we've done all right here. This is yeah. really nice. Yeah. You know, and everyone's having a massively incredible time. And then you feel a little bit proud for a moment and then you forget about it. <laughs> and in terms of like Ibiza Rocks as an entity and an accommodation and, and, and a space, um, having the pool and the day parties and all of that kind of 
I, Ibiza, there's a lot more of that kind of happening now. Do you kind yeah. of say that, do you put your mark on it and say, we, we invented that, guys? Or do you think that's just the way it's uh, naturally going to go? Know. Yeah, I don't know whether we've invented it worldwide, but I think we definitely invited it in Ibiza. Mm. And I think, you know, because I can remember, we, you know, we were doing Ibiza Rocks, we invited... Um, through a friend of ours who we do the bar with, William Crichton, he invited the people that own Ashwire to come down to see what we were doing with the Beetha Rocks. And I can remember them, I can still remember them looking, going, oh my goodness, it's a great way to make money. Yeah. And, and we actually initially talked about maybe doing something with them in that hotel, and then the next year, Ashwire pops up, mm. you know? And it's like anything. I think, you know, some people sort of like trailblaze the way and other people make money. <laughs> unfortunately we have to somehow one day really work out how to how to do both but you know but if you're enjoying it I suppose then yeah you know I think you know obviously Ashwire is an incredibly massive um can't even imagine how many multi-million pound business you know but we um we are now doing pool parties so we went from we went from live rock music um it was it was probably in a business sense best thing that ever happened to us because there's obviously a lot more money there's actually virtually no money to be made out of live bands you do it for love you do it for passion and so um you know it's a lot more profitable but it's also a lot more current to what's happening in the scene and you know the artists that we get I mean, incredible you know we've been having a residency with Craig David who is such an incredibly talented singer yeah. he, he blows me away every time I, I listen to him you know so that's been going for quite a few years now we have Rudimental who are great sort of collective of of people that bring great artists over we do we've got our residents Pat and Kirby who are really talented we do that we you know we've been doing the Stormzy Festival we've got um a lot of different artists but we're very you know we're very much now pool parties and that works massively and we've reconfigured the whole space um and and it's really working this year was the most successful year we've ever had in any business you know so i think that is testament to how well it's going yeah and yeah it's amazing and did the connection with kind of pikes happen because of ibiza rocks were you housing a lot of the artists there is that how did that kind of come well i suppose if we kind of rewind a little bit uh, obviously you're already kind of very familiar with the island what was your first experience with pikes was there anything before i mean pikes yeah pikes we used to take some of the DJs there for breakfast when they used to come over and play for us and it was just one of those it was iconic you know Tony I'd known since probably well definitely the year we'd arrived and he was you know he's the biggest womanizer I've ever met he was you know I don't think anybody hasn't had the ass pinched by Tony <laughs> it was like ridiculous you know he was um and so he he had been that sort of he's a dying breed you know yeah, yeah. and um he was the he was like an international playboy and he created this little gem of a old thinker that that basically by the time we got it it was sort of like in very much need of a lot of love and attention and it was sort of falling apart i suppose it kind of aged with him in a way it aged with him yeah. and he was like when we bought it, it was, he was 74 and you know we went to him and i think he saw that we were good we were a good pair of hands to like pass it over to, good custodians in a way, and we literally realised 
that we were getting a little bit of Ibiza history, mm. but also because we've been a real, true rock and roll, authentic brand, and what we wanted to do was bring that back. And Pikes has sort of lost that, and there was a lot of new hotels opening up, but the potential was massive, and you know it had the, such a rich history. You know, I used to love Wham when I was younger. You know, Club Tropicana. Yeah. You know, is Pikes. So yeah. you know, it's um, and Freddie Mercury had had his forty first birthday party there and grace jones had had this three-month affair with tony and stayed there and it was just literally you know bon jovi had stayed there my favorite i think was zig zig sputnik (laughs) (laughs) you know it's like it was just crazy the number of people that it's like that had stayed at pies and you know we literally were bringing the new breed of those people over so you know whether it was tiny temple whether it was you know kasabian whoever it might be you know, we needed to put them somewhere. And we were putting them in a villa in the hills, which was a great sale at the beginning. But the bigger the bands got, the less they actually like one another. And they don't <laughs> want to hang out for a week on holiday with the rest of the bands. You know, they want to stay in a hotel with service and then get out of there and go to the next gig. So, so basically, we decided that we needed to have pipes. We went to Tony and... Um, he was he, at that point. He was too old to um, continue it. It would have gone to somebody else, and I think he liked the idea of it going to us. Yeah, I mean, do you think at that point it lost its kind of shine? And, and... oh, I mean, it was chintzed up to the really? nines. I mean, literally, I can remember because we didn't have a lot of money to do. And, you know, initially we didn't even own the property. We rented it for five years, then we bought. Mm-hmm. So you know. We also didn't want to make it too successful because if we did, someone else was going to buy it. Yeah. So we literally, you know, we went in. It was full of heavy Spanish wood. So I just painted everything white to try and make it feel a bit breezy. I had to call the floral decor down and put, you know, great artist friends like Victor Spinelli, who does incredible black and white photography that mm-hmm. taken all the pictures of the manumission girls for us. So he kindly donated photographs for each room we had other people who worked with people like steve emberton who did a lot of the iconic old rock and roll photography and i just started collecting basically like an avid collector of rock and roll and taxidermy and curiosities and i suppose i just started to build up our own um in a way, a sort of museum of curiosities. Yeah, instead of running out of space at home, you could <laughs> exactly. buy a hotel and fill it with everything. And it was quite funny because I can remember one of the um, the maintenance guys came around to my house and he was like, this is so bizarre, this is like walking into Pikes. And I went, no, actually, Pikes is just an extension of my home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just gives me more more wall space to, <laughs> to put stuff in. So it was, um, you know, I, I definitely with Pikes. I mean, it depends on brand, but I think as a designer... You know, you you just have different. I mean, I have lots of different styles. I could do sort of like seventies minimalism and enjoy that, but I think this is my maximalism, and more is more. You yeah. know, and it just fits. It fits to me in Pikes. And where did you kind of go in there once you guys owned it and were like, okay, we can kind of make some um, physical difference to the buildings? Where you like? I'm going to take a sledgehammer to this wall and do this, or we want to build something over here and well, get architectural head on, yeah. I suppose. I think the most difficult form of building isn't new build. It's actually trying to retain the original 
character whilst actually updating and making it worthy for use you know and doing that in a very very um sympathetic way so everything that I've done people actually they know there's a change they know it works better but they actually can't work out what it is and you know to me that's key with pipes it's completely different for Ibiza Rocks you know that's Ibiza Rocks is huge impact big wipeout changes you know Um, and that works there and that's a very refined you know stripped back um, approach but with pikes it's very much you know it's, it's it's needs must and you know there's a lot of very very dangerous steps in pikes so one of my you know it's a wonder that we haven't you know we haven't had any fatal accidents so one of my <laughs> things over the years has been to take out a lot of those yeah this year i'm actually taking out jarvis cocker played last year and he actually named the palm tree pamela because he said it was the first time he felt he'd actually ever he'd ever played to a tree because we had this giant palm tree really in the way yeah and you know people tripped over it daily it, it, it we missed out on an extra two tables in the restaurant which when you've got a full at capacity restaurant six days a week yeah. is a massive thing so i've just replanted transplanted yeah. the palm tree yeah. so it has a new location so anyone that comes to pikes has to come and spot the palm spot tree pamela come spot pamela <laughs> yeah she's 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 not hiding anymore but she's out there somewhere different location Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool. And um, I mean, you know, it's obviously got that iconic status, the Club Tropicana you mentioned, you know, just the history behind it. Anyone who's read Tony's book that came out recently, um, it's just got that rich kind of history that you are you proud to be kind of having another hand in, in its history. Completely. I think it just feels like home, you know. Yeah. I go in there, it feels like I'm sat in my living room. In a way, I probably am because I spend so much time there. But <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it is. I To me, I love Ibiza, you know. I love everything that Ibiza represents. I love the almost like it's almost like a curated collection of really interesting people from all over the world. And I think Pikes 
really represents old school Ibiza to me all those things and it's very authentic it's an old Ibiza thinker you know and to me what the last thing I'd ever want to see is a complete sort of globalization of Ibiza yeah because to me it's a very special special place in the world and I just feel like by us owning and operating parks we're keeping a little bit of old Ibiza alive and I mean just the carefully kind of curated nature of all of the nights and festivals and things that you guys put on um do you think that that's a new kind of angle for that for the island to take in terms of doing something that's yeah. a bit more individualistic rather than yeah. you know mass completely i mean i always almost think that we are a home for everything that doesn't fit in anywhere else and in, in the rest of the island you know it's like we are probably the smallest club in ibiza can't say for definite on that one <laughs> you know I think I think James Blunt's got one in his home or something right. it's probably like half the size but um but we um are absolutely tiny venue and we uh, I mean our our lineup within Pikes is put together by Sarah Broadbent who's mm. incredible she used to run We Love at Space with yeah. her husband Mark and you know she's got great vision and she's got a great musical understanding and we really trust her and value what she brings to the table and you know DJ Harvey to me is I see him as the DJ's DJ but I just yeah. love his music it's like the one night that I religiously cannot miss yeah. because it educates you. Yeah. I mean, I just, I know where he gets his music from because Heidi, as manager, tells me about <laughs> the bills that come in. But, you know, it's just, I love to be educated musically and I don't find that hot, you know, it doesn't, it just does not happen very often. And I think, you know, you can go into there. He's also not scared of clearing the dance floor, which I think I've never met another DJ that has actually had that thing yeah. where he sort of like, you know, thinks it's a bit busy. So he maybe down, down plays for a couple of tracks so that other people can get on the floor. And, you know, I love that. Yeah. Because that isn't a commercial attitude. That is a literal love of music. And it's a journey. And to me, a lot of the best nightclub experiences I've had have been musical journeys. Speaking of Harvey specifically, I think every time I've seen him play live... I've broken Shazam because it just doesn't, yeah. it just will not pick up anything no. that he's playing at <laughs> all. So I'm just like, I just need to give up because my Shazam's now swearing at me saying, just stop. I know. <laughs> and it's so funny because I actually refer to tracks as Harvey's track. Yeah. You know, I'll hear them like in some obscure place. I go, oh my God, they've got Harvey's song here. You know, because it is so associated with Freddie's and his thing. And we have Pites Records where we've done two compilations so far and they've both been Harvey's compilations, you know, and this this time we did uh, vinyl as well, a Mercurizing vinyl because so many DJs just wanted to know what those tracks were, you know, and um, I love that. That's my favourite night out. And then we have other incredible DJs like Arthur Artwork, mm-hmm. who again he plays all night long as well, and he is an amazing DJ. You know, we have the best nights. We do a great party with Guy Williams, which is called Flash, which is a sort of very open mix night. And 
that music's incredible too. And, yeah. you know, we, we held on the closing night, we had the whole of Sing the Pink and Savage, you know, all the drag queens swinging from the balcony, you know, swinging from the DJ box, actually. We don't have a balcony. And, um, you know, people like Jamie XX has been playing for us lately. Black Madonna's played. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other highlights. You know, um, Honey Dijon, I mean, I just think is absolutely inspiring and incredible and it's, it's like literally doing amazing things right now yeah you know so a lot of these people i think have become part of the sort of pikes family and do you think um freddie's at pikes that's kind of going to be where it's at forever or are there any kind of yeah i mean i love freddie's you know we've got a i can remember getting we've got a void sound system it's actually the same one that dc10 have got and it is so overspecced it's outrageous because i can remember <laughs> they came in and, and and being a true architect i went for the aesthetic value of the speakers yeah. so i actually went for the biggest ones so they were like um they look like aeroplane like motors yeah and they wait he was like you don't need all this i was like yeah but i want it because it it looks great and if we ever get that one day where we can turn it up full volume and like literally everybody is going to be deafened by it (laughs) i want to be able to do that you know so so we've got a way over spec um sound system we've got um a dj box that's designed by dj harvey we've got um We've got the potting shed, which is probably one of my favourite little bits where we always have our like little after hours lock in. And, um, you know, I just, I think it's, that came from our very first day when we got the keys to Pikes and everyone that was staying with us having a little lock in in that bedroom and going, this is way too big. This is the best house party I've ever been to. Everyone should experience this. Yeah. And then... You know, it, they're turning into what, in effect, is a is a little club named after a very iconic rock and roll legend that slept in that very room. So you know, it just sort of it works yeah. on every level. And just kind of what what um, all of the different nights that you do, uh, the, the kind of crowd and people that you want to attract to Pikes. How would you kind of say? I, I have seen the um, no, 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 and no yeah. C bombs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how you you know what that came from. Maya, who we love, Maya. She um, she does all the programming now for the Silver Haze at Glastonbury, and she's been our door bitch for like two or three years, and she's amazing. And one day we turned up and we. The, the the no glitter no flip flops no under twenty fives no c words and everything and she sort of yeah she added that little bit in but it's it's true you know it's just the attitude it doesn't matter who you are what age really as long as you've got the right attitude and you just want to ha- listen to great music you know one of the things I think the Pikes is one of the most social places in the world mm. people come and they make best friends you know really make best friends end up at one another's weddings end up actually getting married end up you know coming back the same time for the holidays each year just so they can be back together um so you know it really works i think that's part of the thing it's a slightly older crowd because um you know i think the musically that's what we cater to and it really works it's i mean literally the dance floor is the who's who of the creative industries and music industry you know we had i can remember one year we had i think we had gosh let me get this right we i can't remember who it was but we had three of the biggest american djs we had norman cook and we had uh people like chris coca we had just that everyone was on the dance floor yeah 
you know it was like this is a who's who of a dance floor and you know those are people that actually don't normally dance well not that you see them on they i'm sure they dance and you know but not normally in other people's nightclubs you know and so i think it's just literally and you as a as a party goer could be dancing next to those guys oh completely completely and and no one cares you know and everyone's having the time of their life i think you get so lost in harvey's music yeah you sort of come out. It's a great workout. Yeah. Come out like five hours later. And um, yeah, I just, you know, it is, I think our customer base is probably, if I had to sort of sum it up, probably like early 30s, 40s, and just really knows their stuff. Tick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so in terms of like, you've seen it kind of all in a way. Uh, Ibiza kind of, you know, every year I go, it, there's something that's changed, um, whether it's like infrastructure or, or all of these things on the island. It's always developing, always changing. Um, do you think it's moving in a positive direction in areas? There seemed to be a period of maybe a couple of years ago, obviously you guys have got like the no VIP remit. I thought a few years ago it was kind of going to go down this route where everywhere is going to be table bottle service and you know a bit exclusive it doesn't seem to have got that far i think there's been a rebellion against it i think that's why i think you know there are a lot of exclusive little enclaves of very expensive sort of walled off villa living and there's also you know there are a lot of vip clubs where they are actually charging 20,000 euros for a table which I just think is absolutely disgusting I mean I don't think it's either I think it's vulgar if I'm honest you know I think what you could do with 20,000 pounds for charity you know we do choose love event uh, where we're helping refugees you know imagine what that bottle of vodka would do for hundreds of people you know so to me I I personally don't think it's worth it Um, and that's not the sort of you know I we're not about being seen with a giant bottle of vodka you can do that if you want to do that we do that in Ibiza Rocks you know people buy it but I just think there's extortion um and there's having a good time and it's completely you know we we put on with um we've got um an Italian friend who has a festival called the Glop Festival and he did a an art piece for us which said VIP is a loser concept and we put that up at Pikes and you know to us at Pikes we're just not really interested you know it's all about um being authentic and being real and I think there is a bit of a backlash on the island for that you know because people come to Ibiza you know there's places to go you go to Miami you go to Vegas you can go you know you can go to Saint-Tropez if you want to splash your money around and 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 have that sort of blingtastic experience you can also now do it in Ibiza which is fine you know people want to do that everyone's you know welcome to their own thing but I think the true spirit and nature of Ibiza isn't that and I think you know there's it's all I think there's a lot is becoming about you know the fresh food products the locally grown wines the organic way to live you know the the nature the beauty of the island and I think luckily that's not going to go away because there's a lot of people that really feel quite passionately about that and it is a beautiful island and it doesn't I don't think it's based on mainstream values of commercialization I think it, it cuts a bit deeper. So in terms of the Ibiza season, mm-hmm. that's obviously kind of lengthened now over the years. It now seems to be, is does 
Halloween count as part of the season now? Oh, Halloween <laughs> counts as the biggest closure of the season you could ever have, I think, in Pikes Book. It is, I mean, I think it took me three days to recover this year. It was the biggest Halloween we've ever had. It was amazing. It was actually amazing. Pikes makes a great haunted house. And um, we had some incredible DJs. You actually never recognise anyone, which is amazing. It's best night ever when no one recognises you. And... Um, it's just so much fun. We had so many people. We had people flying in for LA, from New York for it. You know, it's a, it's an institution, and it very much marks the closing of our season. And you know, our season is six months. It goes from sort of roughly Easter time, uh, where if that falls to the first of November. And you know, we could actually stay open longer, but we really want a holiday, and <laughs> we also really want to do some little changes and snags to pikes and. Um, and so yeah so we close but I mean I don't know maybe once Pikes if it ever is finished we may start to do sort of more winter retreats and I'd see it more as sort of creative workshops maybe whether that's writing music you know we do things like a literary festival ideally I'd actually quite like to shift that literary festival out of season and combine it with a lot of workshops you know because our creative writing workshops have worked so well um, I want that to cross over to film. And, uh, you know, I want to do a podcast festival, things like that. You know, so all these type of things, I really, um, you know, I think there's a lot of scope for doing them outside of the main season because, you know, Ibiza is a wonderful place, 12 months a year, you know. If if what you're doing, if your activity involves going to the beach, maybe, you know, the weather isn't guaranteed right now. So, it's you know, but if you're doing other activities be the most perfect place and you mentioned the kind of snag list of pikes or whatever or when it's ever finished how will it ever be finished it'll never be finished it'll never be finished because there's always something else to do but i think you know this year we're replacing some of the bathrooms you know that have seen better days we're um you know we constantly do stuff at the restaurant because as we get busier and busier you have to do that to allow more food we've taken out the palm tree pamela and we are resurfacing that floor we are i'm actually taking out the sauna that has not worked for 10 years actually it's probably not worked for 15 years and it was used as a storeroom that is out and taking out the um it was a resistance pool that hasn't had any resistance probably for about 20 years either <laughs> and it's got the biggest were these motor Tony's installations ever. were they oh, you know what i just couldn't part with them because i sort of there i had a love for all these like weird things that so shouldn't have been there and also i didn't have the money to replace them so basically what we've done i'm taking all that out and i've decided what i really really want is a giant mirrorball bread oven so I'm going to attempt to make one. And I'm Amazing. going to also do a mirrorball-covered bar and a sort of little sort of Moroccan garden, which allows a, a more of an event space, really, you know, for when we do weddings or parties and um, gives us a really great space to sit and have meetings. We're running out of space. We're just, you know, also people that come and stay. We've got too many people and not enough spaces. So I'm just trying to create new great spaces where people can spend a little bit of time. And can you extend beyond the boundaries of where you currently are, or is, uh, there's no I think there? eventually we will. We're still going through lots of lots of licensing things. We are officially a hostel. Oh yeah. yes. <laughs> so we are. We've Bring got your sleeping our, bags. Yeah, we've got, we're officially a hostel because um, yeah, for a number of reasons, but um, we're going to right now, <laughs> and so we're applying for our four star 
license, which will enable us to do a numerate other things but at the moment you know a lot of it is like you know conforming to to um safety requirements and things you know that we just you know 30 years ago it didn't matter you know a couple of years ago we had to make disabled access for example which really difficult in a place that's on a slight slope with loads of steps you know so so things like that you know and converting one of the rooms into a disabled room but they're all things that you know you have to do you know it'd be great if i could spend a lot of that money on very visual items we've rewired the whole of pies we've you know we've redone all sorts of things that you just don't see it's a constant battle with an old property and do you think there's still the spirit of tony around completely we did ask him if we could stuff him and put him at the bar <laughs> he actually said no which i was you know i was quite shocked so i thought he might go for it um because he always sat at the same bar stool and so it's really strange because people keep donating um, paintings of tony that they've done i'm actually we're getting nobody else can send us a picture of tony because you know it's like he's in he's he's getting to the point where he's in every room i'm feeling like you know the ghost of tony is very much alive but um yeah i mean his spirit lives on and it oozes out of the walls because he built it you know bit literally built it with his hands fortunately he was not the best builder so a lot <laughs> of the building work that he did do we are now you know replacing but thanks tony for that yeah I'm just thinking about him installing the sauna, thinking, I need this, I need to have this sauna. Oh, completely. Yeah, I actually can't imagine what he got up to in that sauna. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no wonder you need to just get rid of it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. (laughs) Brilliant. And uh, in terms of 2020, you kind of mentioned a few things, maybe doing things out of season and stuff like that. Are there any other kind of nights that are new or...? Yeah, I mean, we're doing quite a a few new things we've got plans for. As I said, we're going to extend the Literary Festival to become a Literary and Arts Festival. Um, We work close with Irving Welsh on that he's actually writing the screenplay for the film that's going to come out about um, Tony's life wow so that's going to be a goodie I've actually got a Pikes cocktail book coming out which is I'm actually really proud of because it sort of tells the story of 24 hours in Pikes via the cocktail yeah it's what to drink in the morning what to drink in by the pool what to drink for lunch night after I mean literally there is not a time of day you cannot have a cocktail I've realized <laughs> No, there isn't actually. There isn't, you know, no. it's always cocktail o'clock at Pikes. And um we've got some amazing, amazing photography and you know, we've worked everyone in. We've got a photograph of artwork jumping off the roof with a cocktail in his hand. We've got a half sat round the DJ body, you know. So it's just everyone's worked in there. We've got, you know, Mika's captain of the night cocktail. So that'll be coming out, um, and I'll probably do a series of sort of promotion and events around that which involve lot, drinking lots of cocktails, obviously. Well, why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, we, you know, I mean, we definitely... I think I think a little bit of me would die if we lost Mercury Rising. It's, you know, it's a favourite night. I'm actually, it's funny, I'm going to... I'm probably going to go to Tokyo in a couple of weeks with Harvey. Um, and we're going looking at... We're going to do a hi-fi listening lounge in Pikes. Oh, wow. So we're taking the Chez Fez. I'm going to set it up to be the first pretty sure it's the first hi-fi listening lounge harvey's working on the um sound with me i want to try and i want to try and recruit a japanese cocktail man while i'm there that can speak no english and we have those little cards that you point to uh what cocktail you want not sure whether i'm going to come back with a, a japanese cocktail waiter but i think we might come back with some great decor and yeah. some great ideas it sounds incredible can't wait can't wait <laughs> we'll, we'll try and wrap it up a little bit yeah. what um 
what we always try to ask our guests is to pick five tracks as a recommendation for our audience that are going to a Spotify playlist. There's always a catalyst one track that would have got you into house music, dance music or just general electronic music in the first place. Um, can you just tell us your choice and your relationship with that yeah, track? Yeah, I mean, there was loads of tracks that I loved. Most of them, I can sort of hum them in my head, but I can't remember the names <laughs> of the artists and they were probably quite obscure. But I mean, the one that really stuck in my mind as I don't, I, as I, I can remember buying that album actually on vinyl, just playing it repeatedly. And I just remember the energy on the dance floor was um, Voodoo Ray by a guy called Gerald. And it literally, I just remember going, oh my God, this is almost like, it's almost like a new punk revolution here. Yeah. It's sort of like, you know, it was that sort of boxy dance and that acid nation, you know, it literally, I remember going to raves. And listen and hearing it and it was raw and it just really felt right at the time and I think that really got me into the dance floor. A floor filler we asked for. Floor filler again. I mean, I just, you know what? I just love too much music. This was really difficult. But I think Shaka Khan, Ain't Nobody, just because it always feels so good. I think you can close your eyes. Been on so many dance ones. Just close my eyes with that song. You can even put that on in the house and dance around your kitchen table and you feel really good. Close my eyes, I can hear it right now. Um, and a uh, sunsetter. Sunsetter. Now this was, uh, you know what, it's weird because I've got two sunsets. I've got the like, ooh, I'm like watching the sunset and we're going to go out tonight in Ibiza and you, you sort of want to feel good. And that's sort of like Orbital orbital belfast and i just love that sound because it's sort of it's almost like a little bit of magic in the air you feel like oh, you know it's like little tinkling in the fingers something's actually going to happen right now and it, and it's balearic in a way even though you know they're obviously not from ibiza but um i also think the other one who's a good friend of mine george is nightmares on wax mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I actually love all of George's music and we've done numerous nights with him. But I think La Nuit, we're in, my, in my Mancunian <laughs> French accent, um, it's just a great song. It's a great video, actually. Great video, too. And yeah. that is a, that's my sort of like, oh, sun's going down, I'm going home. Yeah. Uh, a te- a, we always ask for a tearjerker. It doesn't necessarily have to be house music, but you've chosen a really kind of emotional one in Robert Miles's children yeah Robert Miles children I still oof because I remember when he did that album he lived in Ibiza had young kids our kids age and um he did a boat trip and I can remember being on a boat for Mentira where he did a like a press launch for that album and being on the it was just the most amazing moment as the sun's going down and children came on and I think it's also it's just got such a great meaning because at the time obviously he was Italian and we were very heavily involved in the club scene and there was a lot of those Italians going to like late night raves and driving home and just dying in crashes it was a massive mortality rate and I can remember talking to him about it and that's why he wrote the track it was all about those children that were dying after coming back from parties so it was sort of very it was very meaningful and it's a beautiful song and I think it just reminds me of him yeah incredible yeah um and a last tune uh we always ask for so 
you know, it's the end of the night. What track do you want to hear? Um, you did tell me your choice, and now like, I oh, somebody who's cho- already has chosen know. that one, but we can talk about yeah. kind of there are different versions and yeah. Well, I think that's when you know you've got a good one when someone well, else has already yeah. done it. But um, yeah, I think that Frankie Knuckles song, Your Love, it's just, I love it. I just love it. It's like I could listen to it at the end of every night. Mm. I think it's just got such a raw sound and it's just so real. And it it just is one of those euphoric tracks. You know, every dance floor needs that song at the yeah. end. But then um, I think a sort of slightly... Newer version, but still oldie, but giddy, is Candy Staten, You've Got the Love. Because they're very, actually, very, very similar songs. Yeah. But, you know, obviously, I think I think the Frankie Knuckles one was something like, was it 86 or something? Oh, yeah, it was, it was definitely... It was, a, bef- it was before. Years it was before. At, at least 10 years yeah. before. So, in my mind, it was almost like that was the old version. Candy Staten was a slightly newer version. But I can remember we did a live broadcast on Radio 1, and um, Florence and the Machine was playing, and she did her. She did the first time she performed that track, the Candy Staten track. And I mean, I'm a sucker. I still love the original. And if yeah. I was going to dance, I wanted to dance the original. But yeah. I think that cemented it as being an incredible sort of song for me. Just hearing Florence sing it live for the first time, strutting across the Ibiza Rock stage with a long flowing gown and that hair. And I can remember my my daughter was like newborn at the time and before she went on stage, she took her in her arms and she sang lullabies to her. And it was just like one of those, you know, Wow. This is a good song. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a mark of a good song that it can be kind of covered in different ways by different people and brought to new yeah. new ears in that way. Yeah, it's just got a great message. I think a great song with a great message. Unbeatable. And the kind of final question we always ask our guests is, we are house culture and we live for the love of the beat. We're a collective of people that have all come together through this mutual love of just um, going out and partying and having a good time and living on that dance floor. In terms of kind of the house culture as a whole, and you've obviously been involved in it for 25 years on the party island that Ibiza is, what does it kind of mean to you, this whole culture that you're involved with? Did you ever think back in Manchester, those first manumission parties, this will be where you are now? No, I thought I was going to be an architect designing buildings. You know, actually, I was quite into interiors and installations. So I thought maybe, you know, maybe I could be that that artist living in the East End of London. But no, no, I, I, um, I think it's um, to me, it's all about the collective. It's um, it's all about the people. It's about the music and the people and like-minded souls. And I think it's it's just something that I think some people just love. We, you know, Ibiza Rocks, the things like the artwork and everything was always inspired by the punk movement and that whole sort of aesthetic. And it's a sort of ripping it up and and almost a slightly political sort of like going against the grain and to me you know being in that early Manchester and loving that whole rave scene and that you know although I slightly like just at the back end of it it really was sort of it was a it was it was almost like a bringing together of people um and music was the was the sort of binder and I think it was um it was having fun you know and 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 shamingly enjoying it and I think that's what we're still doing even you know and that's the great thing about Ibiza you can be 
any age and still, you know, still be on. I can remember seeing at the end of Mercury Rising, actually it was at the end of Flash, um, it was Mel Bat's parents who were both in their late 70s were the last people on the dance floor. Wow. And, you know, I thought, God, no, that's me. And I think that's when you know that you just really, really love music. You love that whole thing. It's just because it's... It's it's not something that you're doing every other weekend because you want to escape from anything. It's just a pure love of music and like-minded souls. That's the perfect place to end on, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I can't believe it. House culture. That was great, wasn't it? Dawn has such a cool vibe, a real authentic spirit dedicated to pushing the boundaries of anything she is producing. I absolutely loved it. Thanks again to Dawn for fitting us into one of her flying visits to London. There were some real eye-openers in that chat as well. I mean, who knew that they invented the flying commission system on Ibiza? As well as showing the Ashwire guys a great way to make money. And how exciting is it to hear that Irvin Welsh is writing the screenplay for the film adaptation of Tony Pike's incredible biography, cannot wait to see what becomes of that. Obviously this chat was recorded before the coronavirus lockdown so all opening dates for both Pikes and Ibiza Rocks have shifted back. Currently Pikes is on the 1st of June and Ibiza Rocks on the 1st of July however depending on when you're listening to this please check all details online before you decide on organising anything. However, saying that, you can grab yourself a little bit of Pike's Hotel right now because the cocktail book that Dawn mentioned is out and available to buy from all good bookshops. Make mine a captain of the night, will you please, barman? And what do we all know that goes well with cocktails? That's right, people. Sick beats. And you can find all of those that were discussed in this chat on our Spotify playlist. Once you fire it up and search for the House Culture Perfect playlist, you'll be presented with an extensive catalogue of tracks all curated by our wonderful podcast guests. I must mention though that Dawn's choice for her Catalyst track, A Guy Called Gerald's Voodoo Ray, is not on Spotify, unless you want the brass band Hacienda classical version. So I asked her to swap it out and she has replaced it with what is one of my all-time faves. That's 808 States Pacific. Once you've followed the perfect playlist on Spotify, please support this podcast by loving, liking, tweeting, sharing, by leaving us a rating or a review on Apple. This is really important and will help us to continue to create these episodes that we hope you love listening to and it could also get you a shout out on a future one as well. Which leads me to say a huge thank you to the person who goes by the name of Manny Fresh for telling us that this series is helping them with their dissertation on the history of house music. Wow, we at House Culture are pretty humbled to hear that we are educating the next generation of club goers. We hope we can do the subject justice enough to get you a first class degree. As always, make sure you hit up our Instagram feed at housecultureNet or follow the hashtag TrueHouseCulture to be kept informed of all the parties that are currently happening in people's homes across the world. Man, that first party after lockdown is going to be huge, isn't it? And finally, you can reach out to me, Matt Rouse, directly on Instagram at DJ Matt Rouse. Thanks for listening, stay safe and see you next time. culture.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.